0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball.
2: Drilled the center field deep. Back out of the seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 to lead here in
1: the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game.
3: The 2-2 now.
1: Check swing on this slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons.
3: Good morning, welcome to our latest show. This week we'll learn a little bit more about Alex Colome and his All-Star experience. We'll also discuss Corey Dickerson's upcoming trip back to Colorado. We'll chat with Rays President Brian Ald, catch up with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, and we'll look back at the Rays 2016 draft class with a deadline to sign players now in the books. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solans. The story this week Alex Colme going to his first All Star game. And I sat down with Alex and asked him what he took away
4: from the experience. The nice experience, you know. Uh, first time in the All Star game. Never thinking like this year I have the time like being in the All Star game. And when I see like those guys, I see, like, before when I was younger, like, play on the TV. And, uh, like, now I have the opportunity to to be together in the same team with, the like, those guys, Big Papi, uh, Mike Trout, uh, Cabrera, and, you know, a couple more guys, like, something nice, like, made me feel like like good, like my mind, like talking, they tell me about baseball, you know, the experience they have it and something good.
3: What was the best part of the time at the game?
4: The best part be like when we be together and the in the home run derby and uh, before the game too, like when we talking, when we, everybody's out in the dugout like, see the game, like something, like, great.
3: What did you learn? Did you learn some things?
4: Uh, not really. Because in the Australian, like, we don't, like, learn. Like, we small talking and joke, you know, and spend time. But not really, like, but we know about those guys, like, the experience they have it, when they talking to us. Like it's what I what I can say like I learned. Because you know they have like more time when these they told you like about the life they have, like they teach you like something. It's what I can say like my learn.
3: Who went with you?
4: Friends, like two friends be there like with me. Was it
3: fun for them as much as it was for you?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They be like great they take like good time with the other guys too you know not everybody have the time like be together with big league guys and these two guys have like spend time with these guys like take a picture and everything and they feel like like great they call me like every day like thank you thank you thank you they say to me but feel good for these guys too
2: Mm -hmm.
3: why has this year been so good for you
4: working yeah, you know the, the year I have like from last year, the season I have, I put in my mind like I've had to work more harder for the next year. You know, I don't know if I take the eight, seven or nine. I don't know what happened when I in the spring training. But I put my mind like work something different, like better location, like uh put my fastball and core like and the same page, it's, it's, I think it's why. And I'm talking, you know, to God every night, like, help. Yeah, I'm going to clean my mind, like, don't be in trouble, like, you know. This thing is for, like, extra work.
3: When you were a kid, when you were little, playing in the Dominican, did you ever think something like this was possible?
4: No, no, no. When I younger, I never think I can make, like, big league team of being in the all game. Like, you know, it's something I'm only thinking about, like play, because I like play baseball. Play in the street, play with my friends. But I never think, like, be too, too soon, like in Big League, or my second career, like, can be in the All-Star game.
3: Good luck the second half. Hopefully an All-Star second half for you,
4: too. Thank you. <laughs>
3: And that is Rays' closer, Alex a 19 for 19 in safe chances. And congratulations to him on his first All-Star game opportunity. Coming up, you'll hear from Corey Dickerson, as the Rays are set to visit Colorado beginning tomorrow for the first time since Corey was traded by the Rockies. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball, back after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and joining us our feature guest right now, Corey Dickerson. And Corey, tomorrow the Razor in Colorado to take on the Rockies. That was your original team. What is it going to be like for you in terms of the friends that you made in that organization going back?
5: Yeah, it's definitely going to bring back a lot of memories. Uh, you know, it's my first time to get called up to the big leagues. I spent my whole time, you know, coming up through the minor leagues in that organization. So I know a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of close friends. Uh, coaching staff, uh, good relationships, Uh, so that probably my favorite part is just getting to see the guys, you know, since I've been traded and uh, actually saying hey to them and, you know, uh, getting to talk to them, so I'm looking forward to that.
3: How much during the course of the season, obviously you're occupied, but how much texting and back and forth have you had, and who are you still close to? You know,
5: it's more uh, before spring training, uh, during spring training. uh, I got some close friends, DJ LeMayhew, Brandon Barnes, Blackman. Uh, Nolan Arenado, Cargo, all those guys. Um, Can't speak enough about them. And um, EY Jr., you know, and all the coaches called me after I got traded and and wished me good luck and a lot of good words. So definitely uh, would be good to see those guys.
3: I know after you had been dealt, you had mentioned the positive influence that Justin Morneau had on you. And this weekend, he actually got called back up to the big leagues with the White Sox. What was it about him that, you know, he had a good influence on you?
5: You know, his professionalism, uh, he showed up to the park every day uh, and did his routine the same every day, no matter if he was over for 30 or, you know, the injuries that he had going on that a lot of people in the public or media or anybody knows about. Uh, just, uh, I mean, all of us players go through them, but to watch him – uh, battle and have a consistency about him, and be able to reach out to me and you know tell me what I'm doing wrong and how to carry myself. He's uh, he's he one of the best teammates I've ever had.
3: What did you enjoy most about your time there? What are your best memories in terms of moments on the field?
5: You know, um, first of all, just getting called up there, uh, being able to make my debut with them. Uh, but you know, I, I remember tying the game up against the Marlins and hitting a walk-off. And uh, that was pretty special, being able to hit a walk-off in uh, the big leagues. and But every day, every game I, I cherish because it's in the big leagues, and I'm thankful that I'm st- still where
3: I am. Again, we're chatting with Corey Dickerson on This Week in Rays Baseball. Going to a new organization can be a challenge. So I'm curious, from your standpoint, what's been the biggest adjustment or challenge for you in your first year in a new place?
5: You know, there's a bunch of... Bunch of different variations of you know getting getting traded, uh, and I have probably have one of the biggest jumps going into you know a different league. Don't know any of the pitchers, have to learn them. Uh, also gain the trust of your teammates, uh, being able to learn what each one of these guys how they play, how can I play and mix with them, uh, how to have a routine DHing, um, playing inside. Uh, w- w- one thing I've never done, you know, on a consistent basis, uh, a lot of in- coming overcoming injuries and, you know, I had a lot of injuries in the past year and didn't get to have the as many at-bats as I wanted to last year. So not trying to make up for those at-bats and, you know, there's a lot of things that go along with it, but you got to just play to have fun and have good teammates and learn more about them and then uh, things will start falling into place.
3: What you mentioned DHing, and I don't think people realize how difficult it can be. So I'm curious, now that you've done it or on a fair basis for half a season, what have you learned about it, and what is the hardest part of it? Hardest
5: part is critiquing yourself after every single at bat, um, especially at the beginning of the year. You know, I was with a new team. I want to make an impact and. You know, I start out the season DHing, and you know, if I get out here like the first two at bats, I'm scuffling. I'm starting to, you know, analyze my swing, my bat, you know, big question marks, and you know, now I feel comfortable where I don't analyze myself. I trust myself. I just believe in my talent, uh, I see a lot of guys you know when they get a day and they get to d h they do the same thing they're they 're scuffling they're they're moving around so much they 're thinking they're always messing with their bad they're going in the cage um, it's just a different your mind wanders. You used to be locked in during the game when you play the field and I think that's the biggest biggest
3: adjustment so far. I know that some guys when they DH would even do a crossword in between at bats or they might go back and 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 listen to music or something or ride a bike. What what do you do to try and occupy yourself because as you mentioned it's different when you go to the field and you know that okay, the at bat's done, I got to help my team defensively.
5: You know, it was it was changing during uh at the at first you would like you know if you did well you would you know kind of not do anything and then if you if you felt bad you felt like you had to hit or you had to change something or you know, now I just try to talk to my teammates, uh, try to, you know, distract myself and just pay attention to the game and distract myself from my at bat to at bat and just concentrate on my teammates. Uh, try to get to learn, know them more, and uh, also just um, it depends on the day. Uh, you might want to get on the bike to make sure your legs are loose or something like that, but keep it simple. Uh, the big thing is not critiquing yourself, knowing that you know critiquing yourself is only going to make it worse so I stay out of my head and just let my talent take over
3: what have you learned about yourself through this because look this team certainly had higher expectations at this point and I know how much you wanted to win when you came over here and all these guys do you know sometimes you learn more about yourself during tough times than you do during the when you're winning a lot yeah for
5: sure I've been through it with the Rockies uh, unfortunately and the big thing is is to to know that you're in the big leagues, you're getting paid to play this game the right way. And last year, I learned a lot about myself when I was injured with plantar fasciitis and broke ribs to come back and still succeed, even though I missed so many at bats. And that was the big thing is knowing that you will succeed. And like this year, like I still haven't put a limit, like people's like, what if you hit, you know, put a number on 250 or whatever. I'm like, you know, that's selling me short. I feel like there's no telling if I get hot you know or if this team gets hot what we can do so it's really a game of like uh, anything can happen so and I've have very high expectations for myself and I know we do as a team so we just got to get hot and you know continue to work every day and pay attention to your process.
3: One of the things that can help when you're not going through the best of times is family. And you've got your family a lot closer. You've got you know a young child. Your wife is here. How much has that helped during the course of this year? You know,
5: it's helped me throughout my whole career. I feel like uh, my career really took off when I got married, and uh, I was able to distract myself after a bad game or a good game. You know, the good games, uh, everybody's riding you high, and but they go by so fast, and so does – bad games seem to stick with you a little longer and to have somebody like that at home to be able to uh, distract you from it or just uh, give you positive vibes and now having, having a son, uh, you know, I'm very thankful to be able to be where I am to support my son, but he definitely brings a smile on my face no matter if it's a good game, bad game or how life's going. So it's been great. How is he like you? Uh, he's getting, he's definitely a lot more fun now. He's starting to, you know, know who's daddy is and can able able to say and i think he knows what i'm doing kind of now and he gets excited to come to the ballpark
3: what do you do besides uh obviously spend time with your son and your wife when you try and unwind away from the field because this game again you got to have some things to kind of break away from the game
5: yeah for sure I, i feel like uh i all baseball players try to perfect every something in their game and you know i i find myself looking at film at home or you know thinking about what what i'm going to do the next day to better myself and you know really i try to focus more time on my son or on my family uh to go out to eat or you know just hang out go take my son to play or something like that just to be able to you know know i have another life beyond baseball and you know not to take it so serious to where you know you can actually have fun when you play this game
3: you come from a a town in mississippi which has a a fair amount of uh, musicians who got their career started everywhere, everything from Bo Diddley to Britney Spears. So uh, what do you listen to to try and relax and what's your music of choice?
5: You know, it really depends on what mood I'm in, uh, what I lift weights, uh, you know, higher paced music and, you know, after a game, a lot chill chill music because you try to wind down, but a lot of country music. Uh, I really listen to everything. Uh, it depends on the mood that I'm in and, um, so yeah, basically everything. Favorite artist? Um, I would have to probably say Luke Bryan. Um, my wife really likes him, you know, and, uh, <laughs> so that's probably my favorite artist.
3: One thing I was curious from a baseball standpoint, cause we see it happen a lot. What do you do with your thumb guard that it pops off?
5: You know, I, everybody always asks me that, but I always have a routine on deck. I always put pine tar on my bat the same way. Just kind of a routine going so you know you're ready to step in the box. And I think just over time, the tape I use and stuff like that gets so sticky that it just pulls it off because I let go of my top hand. And when I let go of my top hand, the thumb guard just kind of sticks to the grip of the bat and pulls it off because it's not tight on my finger. So that's basically what happens.
3: Has it always been that way or is it some kind of evolved?
5: Uh, The last couple of years. i never used a thumb guard until 2014 and kind of just stuck with it. I had really good success and, you know, it's just something hard to go away from once you
3: start using it. Well, hopefully lots of success here in the second half for you. Hope uh, it's a good trip to Colorado. We appreciate some time on this week in race Baseball. Thank you. God bless. That's Corey Dickerson joining us. We'll continue right after this on the Race Baseball Network back to this week in race baseball i'm neil solans today from tropicana field is the race getting set to take on the orioles it is christmas in july at the ballpark and it must be christmas in july because joining me now on the show is brian anderson of fox sports sun ba thanks for coming on
6: oh hey neil anytime buddy
3: listen let's start with one of the bright spots in this very bleak period and that has been matt moore what has allowed matt to get on the run he's been on to consistently get himself through six and yesterday into the eighth for the first time since 2013
6: uh, consistently throwing strikes, really, especially with the fastball. You know, Matt, Matt Moore, I don't think, is, is ever going to be a guy who dots the fastball exactly where he wants it all the time. But as long as he's able to get that pitch to the right area, then he's going to set himself up for success. Because what you see with Matt Moore is when he's able to command the fastball to the areas that he wants it, the curveball and the changeup, come, they fall right in line. It's, it's really amazing with him, and, and that's why when you watched him in last night's game, even though he gave up that home run in the second inning, early on he was able to dot that fastball and, and get it. If he wanted it in, it was in. If he wanted it away, it was away when he wanted to elevate. It was up, and so you said to yourself, and he established it early and i thought that that was going to help him you know down the road when all of a sudden the curveball comes into play and the changeup and that's exactly what happened and even even the home run that he gave up to jj hardy wasn't a horrible pitch you know he was trying to come in with the fastball and it was in maybe not as far as he wanted it in but it wasn't like he left something right out over the plate for hardy to just lay into you know hardy made a, a good swing on a pitch that was in quick hands uh, maybe the best uh, swing that we've seen jj hardy take in, in about a year and a half Uh, to get to that ball and unfortunately that would end up being the difference in the game but for Matt Moore it's it's really getting the fastball to the proper area if he's able to do that consistently the other pitches fall in line and he he sets himself up for success
3: and certainly nice to see this run of now eight starts in a row where he's got at least six innings the brightest spot in in the Rays pitching staff has to be Alex Colomay going to his first all-star game could you have foreseen this at the beginning of the year Brian and what has made him as good as he's
6: been uh, I don't think anybody could have. I, I certainly didn't, and I don't know too many people who did. First of all, you didn't even see him and picture him in that role. You know, you're thinking Brad Boxberger is going to be the guy, and and Colome certainly is going to be a back of the bullpen setup guy uh, to try to get the those save opportunities to Boxberger, especially when he had you know led the American League last year with 41 of them, and then all of a sudden Boxberger goes down, Colome you know, steps into that role and has been absolutely perfect. It's it's really been amazing to, to watch him go out there in those save opportunities. And what has blown me away is not only is he perfect, 19 out of 19, but he hasn't given up a, a run. When he's gone out there in a save opportunity, he has not given up a run. He's given up just 10 hits, and he's just been absolutely dominant. You put him in a tight spot, and he has come through time and time again. Unfortunately for the Rays, and un- unfortunately for everybody watching, we haven't seen a whole lot of him lately mm-hmm. because the Rays haven't been in too many save opportunity-type uh, positions.
3: Indeed. They did add to the bullpen by bringing back Kevin Jepsen this week. What do you think that will do for the group
6: not only in the bullpen, but in the clubhouse. Well, listen. He's a he's a, a veteran. Um, he's a guy that that knows the right way to do things. He's going to be, I think, successful. I look at his numbers. You know, when he was with uh, Minnesota this year, and uh, you know, you just kind of wonder. What, you you wish you could have seen all of his outings to to where that ERA was over six because he's a guy that's going to feature a very firm fastball. Get it into the mid 90s. You know, he's got a curveball that he likes to jump on, and when he does, it's got a lot of depth, and he can spin that thing tight. So he's got the stuff to be successful and as we've seen him a couple of times here with the Rays there's no drop in stuff and so with his experience uh, with his ability uh, you know to have pitched in the, you know tough situations before um, going out there for saves you know back into the bullpen guy he's gonna give a lot of uh, you know I mean a I guess his experiences and a lot of wisdom down in that bullpen for these guys to feed off of, to learn from. You know, He's one of those guys that can, that can talk, he can command a group of people and say, listen, this is how you do it, this is what you want to look for, and just impart all of his knowledge and experiences and wisdom on these you know, guys out there in the bullpen and try to, try to help them along in their path here in the major leagues. Another guy who certainly appears to have helped the last couple of days is
3: having Kevin Kiermaier back in center field. How much does that change the complexion of the race defensively, and how much do you think it's going to help going forward if he's able to be out there every day?
6: Well, I think a lot of what uh, you know Kiermaier brings to this team certainly, you know, what he can do, you know, out in center field and you know at the plate and on the base paths, but it's the intangibles. And when you talk about you know, what he does in center field. Let's just talk about that first and foremost. He's going to help the pitching staff out because he gets the balls that other guys in the league, forget about this team, but around baseball just are not able to get to because of his speed, the jumps that he gets and how he can get to top speed so quickly and be able to track these balls down. Not only will it help the pitching staff, it's going to help the corner outfielders because they're not going to have to cover as much ground because of what he's able to do. So it'll help you with your defensive positioning, make the Corner outfielder's better. It'll help the pitching staff, and that's just defensively. You know, you come in offensively, and, you know, he's a guy that, that, you know, you're going to start to see him, I think, really – You know, lay some bunts down, make that part of his game. At least it should be, because of his speed and and again the ability to get to top speed so quickly out of the box. So you, you envision him laying down some bunts. Of course, he'll ground the ball, you know, up the middle into center field and make turn it into a double because of his explosion out of the batter's box. And then still improving and still learning to be a proficient base stealer. And so that should be a part of his game that he really focuses on because, again, with his burst and his speed, he should be a stolen base threat every time he gets on base. And I know that he's still you know, learning the, the techniques, the intricacies of, of being a, a good base stealer, but you'll see that continue to get better and better. And then you go back to the intangibles, and it's just the energy. The energy that he brings to this team, uh, excitement. This team could use a shot of life right now, and, and he's certainly the guy to bring it.
3: Another guy who may bring some additional energy, he caught the last two games. He's not starting today, Luke Mailey. What did you see from Mailey the last two days compared to maybe how he looked in September of last year?
6: Well, I I see a guy that is trying to take advantage of an opportunity. I think we're going to see a lot of Luke Mailey, and I think Kevin Cash made that pretty clear. And so you're seeing a a, a catcher who has a little bit of Major League experience, is no longer dipping his toe in the water. He's going to jump in and say, listen, the catching situation here for the Tampa Bay Rays has been uneven and unsteady since I've been here. I mean, so you go back to 2008, mm-hmm. and, and it, it seems like every year you're looking for that answer at the catching position. And so Luke Maley understands he's going to get an extended audition. And so he's active behind the plate, blocking pitches. I, I liked some of the pitches, the way that he's been able to frame them. He took a fastball the other night that was a borderline pitch, you know, knee-high on the outside corner to a right-handed hitter, and he kept the meaty part of his hand on the plate and caught that ball just in the tip of the webbing we used to see jose molina do that quite a bit but it what it ends up doing is even though that ball is borderline maybe just off the plate it goes into the glove you know the the umpire's looking down he sees the the meaty part of the hand the meaty part of the glove on the plate and so he all of a sudden gets that call for his pitcher on a pitch that if he catches a little differently maybe it goes against um, whoever's out on the mound and it's a ball so you know, he just is a guy that's, uh, you know, he's got a great opportunity, trying to take advantage of it, and, you know, what's helping him and made him look really good over the two nights is he's getting some base hits too. <laughs> Hitting a ball, bounced one over the center field wall last night, a couple hits the previous night. So swinging the bat, he came up here hot from Durham. He's continued to, to swing the bat well, and uh, certainly has looked good defensively.
3: VA's usual good stuff. Thanks for coming on. All right, Neil. Thanks for having me, bud. That's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Right now, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network.
1: This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. And gone. 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM. Hole of the Rays.
3: Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. Now, while it's been a difficult season on the field, off it the Rays are doing some terrific community work, especially with area police departments. I sat down with Team President Brian Ald to discuss what led the Rays to start a park
1: walk and cheer program that began in St. Petersburg. Chief Holloway, Assistant Chief uh, Jim Privatera and Luke Williams with the St. Pete Police Department were instrumental in getting the program up and off the ground um, here in St. Petersburg. We, we launched it last year, and we turned that program around in about three or four weeks following a police athletic league dinner when uh, when we just started talking afterwards about how the Rays might be able to support the local police force. And Chief Holloway realized then, and it, and it certainly looks prescient today, um, how crucial it was for his officers to get out of their cars, walk the neighborhoods, um, and meet, uh, meet the folks that they aim to serve. Uh, and since then, he's, he's really made that a, a key component of his community policing program. And they use our vouchers. We give them a, a Chris Archer baseball card with, uh, with his statistics on the back. Um, and we give it to kids uh, on the corners uh, as cops walk through the neighborhoods just to, as a way to, to break the ice and to make an interaction between a police officer uh, and a constituent um, a positive one instead of something negative. Too often, people think the police are there to give a hard time. Um, and with the case of our St. Pete Police Department in particular, they're there to try to meet, understand, and better serve the community. And, and we've certainly seen that with their leadership. So we're thrilled that since then, the Tampa Police Department's taken this on, the Clearwater Police Department. Uh, it's in Bradenton, um, out in Treasure Island. And uh, most of the time that I talk about it, we get a call from a police chief in the in the coming days. So hopefully it'll expand even further coming out of this interview.
3: And is it something where each uh, municipality is calling it something different? Or are they all
1: Similar names or yeah here in St. Petersburg. It's called park walk and cheer. Uh, It serves different purposes in different communities. We always let the police departments um, mold the program to fit whatever their needs are. But the gist is the same. Uh, If you're if you're supporting the police. Uh, working with them um, and getting to know them, they have uh, tickets to, to offer. Um, and the police do a great job getting those tickets into the hands of people who might not otherwise be able to attend our games. So for us, it's really a win-win. We're getting some, in particular, at-risk youth out to our ballpark where they have one of the better days of their year, I think, at a baseball game, um, and they get to do that for having done well. In some area in the community, um, school resource officers use these a lot, and so it can be as simple as a kid getting good grades and uh, and, and improving their behavior in class
3: and especially in light of what's gone on nationally, um, the ability to give the police tools to create that positive relationship with kids and their community obviously is essential
1: yeah, I think it's it's no secret that there are, uh, are racial issues going on in our country right now, and there's a, a lot of Um, tension potentially between the police and the communities they serve and so uh, I I, if our if our program is even helping that a little bit and and I believe that it is and I hear from the the chiefs that it is uh, we couldn't be more proud and it's gonna have real real ramifications on the the way our communities come together going forward certainly great
3: stuff off the field and I know one of the other big projects from a business standpoint off the field is figuring out the race future in terms of stadium What can you update race fans on at this point here
1: in 2016? Well, I think the really good news is that uh, on both sides of the bay, in Pinellas and Hillsborough County, there are a lot of motivated, active, interested, um, and really bright people working hard to find the best location for our future home. Uh, these are folks who want to keep the Rays in Tampa Bay for generations to come, who, who genuinely appreciate the value of a Major League Baseball team to a region, and who have come to understand the business challenges that we faced. And so uh, when you put a lot of good people on a problem, I, I believe you usually find a solution.
3: And there was a point this year where you had given the business community a chance to kind of chime in, you know, what was important to them. Um, did you get enough feedback? Maybe I'm not asking for what kind of feedback you got, but did you get enough um, so that you got enough coverage to kind of get an idea as to what people are interested in,
1: yes, we certainly have a long way to go in in earning um, the support of our business community we need We need more season ticket holders, we need more corporate sponsors and we 're doing everything we can to earn that business. Uh, but the most important information we got back from that survey was that businesses value having us here uh, you know if we 're going to embark upon a significant public private partnership. Uh, It's going to result in a a brand new ballpark for Tampa Bay and and uh, forever alter, I think, the trajectory of not just the Tampa Bay Rays, but of this community as a whole. We need to be sure everyone wants the baseball team. Uh, And the results of those surveys were overwhelming. Everybody wants to keep the Rays here. Um, How we do that, precisely where we do that, what the new ballpark looks like, what types of corporate relationships we build, that's going to be the tricky part. That's where the devil's in the details. Um, But... Uh, It was really heartwarming to appreciate the sentiment and to understand that uh, most people really appreciate the way I think that Stu Sternberg has steered this franchise the last 10, 11 years. And from that standpoint, as you look forward, uh,
3: certainly there have been stories written about baseball is still the centerpiece uh, of whatever is done at this ballpark, but a lot of other non-traditional means of using the ballpark, of fan interaction during games, and uh, what are some of the things you're looking at and how will fans get to provide their own feedback as to the process?
1: Well, our uh, stellar um, VPs who are leading this process, Melanie Lenz and Bill Walsh, have been conducting two, three hour, um, two to three hour seminars with a lot of uh, the local business communities, community groups. Um, and just the public at large to really get what their ideas of a great baseball experience would be and what their ideas about what a great venue could be. Uh, And so we're getting feedback from everyone in that way. And soon we'll be launching a website dedicated to getting exactly this kind of feedback too. Um, But the ideas have been exciting. Um, We really want to completely rethink the way we watch baseball games. And one of my favorite examples is uh, to point out the way that we sit. We sit in stadiums Uh, the same way today that we did in the times of the Greeks and the Romans. Um, And I'm not sure that we need to be in linear rows, uh, row upon row upon row, where most of the seats are not unlike the middle seat on an airplane. Uh, And so we've challenged our architects and our engineers to think about uh, whether it's horseshoe-style seating or something with a table, something that's more that makes it easier for people to share food and experiences at a game, is possible. Uh, And so that's one example about how we're rethinking the entire ballpark experience. Um, And the second is, and you're absolutely right about this, uh, we think it's crucial for the future of Tampa Bay, not so much for the Rays, but but to get the most out of a, a public facility like what we expect our ballpark to be, we want it to be an available, cool space 365 days a year. Uh, That could be as simple as letting people work out of uh, some of our unused office space um, during the winters, you know, provide Wi-Fi, give people a place to have meetings. Um, It could be allowing people to run around on the field, uh, little leaguers to play wiffle ball where their heroes play baseball uh, during the summer. it could be using our kitchen facilities as a community kitchen we don't know exactly what they'll be yet but every piece of the ballpark can serve multiple purposes and can be of value to the community Um, and because we're thinking about it this way from day one as opposed to building a ballpark and then figuring out how you could program it i think we're going to be able to do something really really special
3: and that is Rays team president Brian Ald. Now on the field, Durham's starting pitcher Austin Pruitt has done something special as he played this week in the AAA All-Star game. Pruitt's first as a professional. Austin Pruitt now joins us. Austin, what did the All-Star opportunity mean to you? Uh,
2: well, it, it meant a lot. Um, it didn't feel good to kind of be recognized uh, with, with all those other great players in the International League Pacific Coast League.
3: What was the experience like? What were you anticipating going in?
2: Um, well, the, the experience, it, it was pretty special. Uh, they had some cool events there, uh, some dinners and luncheons and then a little NASCAR excursion. Um, but uh, my expectations, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I didn't have, I guess I didn't have really a whole lot of expectations. I just know coming in that I was excited to be around all those, uh, all those talented guys.
3: What was the best part of it for you, and, and what did you learn out of it?
2: Um, well, uh, my girlfriend actually got to join me through, uh, through the All Star break, so that that was really that was probably the best part. Um, and also going to the to the NASCAR excursion, that was that was pretty wild.
3: Are you a big fan? And if so, who's your favorite driver?
2: No, I've, I'm actually an, I'm not really a fan at all. But I i gained a lot of respect for NASCAR drivers after going uh, going around a few laps.
3: Seeing how what uh, I've done that before and. I, I, probably the most eye-opening thing was, I guess, the angle at which they drive.
2: Yeah, like, I I'd, I'd never really seen a track before, and the turns, you know, are like the roads almost straight up and down pretty much. Um, they're going around those turns, like, at 150, 160 or so, and it, it feels like a roller coaster. It's pretty wild.
3: Tell me about playing in the game itself.
2: Uh, Walked the guy, but... Uh, it was, uh, it, it was it was good I, I, I was pretty hyped up uh, it, uh, Charlotte pulled a, pulled a great crowd and they, they were loud and uh, yeah no it was it was just exciting to be out there.
3: Now you mentioned your girlfriend got to be with you for the all-star break. Did any of your other family come up and watch? I know we had talked last uh, in April about how your dad had made all those excursions to see you pitch.
2: <laughs> yeah and he he made another drive. Uh, my mom flew, my dad drove. Um, he drove up on I think Tuesday night and went to pick up my mom Wednesday morning, um, and they came and watched me throw. They watched the game, and then we uh, then he had to hit back, hit the road on uh, Thursday morning.
3: How many hours is that? To and from.
2: I to and from. I I mean, I think two. It's probably around like sixteen to seventeen hours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's a little nuts.
3: And a good driver, I would guess, or I hope be a great driver. Yeah, <laughs> it's a shame he didn't get in the to the to the uh, pace cars, uh, right? He he
2: could he could do it.
3: Tell me about this year for you. Obviously, you were in the All Star experience. Has this been in your mind your best season, and if so, why?
2: Um, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, and I, you know, I, I gotta say, I mean, all like the defense has been great, and, uh, and the catchers behind the plate. Uh, with Malian and Sevier, they, they've done a great job kind of play calling games. And uh, I, 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 I blame it on them.
3: <laughs> How obviously, you're very humble in the year you've had, but you've also got a nearly 7 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio. I know your MO has been a strike thrower and a guy who throws strikes, but 7 to 1 is, is pretty incredible. What's allowed you to get there? Is there anything in terms of your arsenal that's been sharper or better?
2: Um,. Well, I, have, uh, I guess I've, I've started more consistently throwing a, a cutter, slider, you know, kind of whatever you want to call it. Uh, I had it in AA. I first started throwing it um, kind of later season in, in high A. Um, but that's kind of developed over time, and it's, it's gotten a little bit better as I've been throwing it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, I'm just kind of executing pitches, and that's really kind of about it.
3: Is there anything that Kyle Snyder's made an adjustment with? I know a lot of the guys have talked very highly of the job that he's done there.
2: Yeah, he he does a great job. Um, yeah, if if you're kind of feeling a little weird with uh, like mechanical wise, he he's able to put things in, in perspective and, uh, and kind of help you out with with what you need. He, he does a great job.
3: Obviously, your hope now is to make that next step and be fortunate enough to go to the big leagues. Do you let your mind wander at all? Is that... Hard not to do. I mean, it would seem to be the natural inclination when you're having the year you're having,
2: right? Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's best to, to kind of keep your keep your mind where you are. Uh, you, you start you start um, you know thinking. Uh, yeah, if you start thinking, you know, putting your mind in, in some other places, you know, you're you're not gonna. Me personally, I don't think that you're gonna be at your best. Uh, you're gonna be thinking about other things, and not where you want to be or not where you are at the time
3: for you personally um could you at least touch on what it would mean if that opportunity were to occur at some point this year
2: yeah, it would it definitely be it would be a dream come true it would you know all the all the time that you put into baseball it would just it would just be it'd be incredible time
3: well austin we appreciate a few minutes uh we wish you continued success and and hopefully we're fortunate to see you get that uh promotion that you keep working toward and and keep doing a great job in durham
2: Uh, i really appreciate it
3: that's durham all-star austin pruitt now this friday was the deadline for 2016 draft picks to sign we'll hear from rob metzler and more when we return after this on this week in race baseball on the race baseball network Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solon. Dylan Floro was set to join Austin Pruitt at the AAA All-Star game in Charlotte, but instead, Floro got his first-ever call-up. And this week, the Rays reliever discussed what it meant to him.
7: It meant, it meant the world to me, man, to be able to get that, that first week behind me. And looking back on it now, that I kind of sit back the last couple of days and relax. It's, it was pretty amazing and once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing.
3: What were the things that you're going to most take away from those first experiences?
7: The chance that my whole family got to, being from California, got to come all the way out, my wife and daughter being there and being the guys I got to face, especially Big Poppy going into his last year when I got to face him for one of my, my second outing of my major league career. It's pr- that's pretty amazing to me growing up watching him.
3: At what point did you start to actually feel your legs <laughs> during either of those appearances?
7: Um, the first couple outs are a little, I mean, I don't know, I'd say it's more like the warm up. You're warming up in the beginning of the game. You don't know who you're going to face yet, especially coming out of the bullpen. And you're just wondering. And then once you get in the game, you kind of get an out or two where your legs start settling underneath you, and I feel, you feel a little more comfortable.
3: You are uh, For you, you had a chance to do something quite unique in that your your call up was put became viral what are they, how what was the strangest thing you heard after for, or strange person you heard from you hadn't heard from in a while about it
7: uh, not too not not just you get, my phone just kind of went off the hook and was getting blown up the first couple of days there about every day through the night but Strangest things, I'm not too not too crazy. I, mean, I got a, I got a new number not too long ago, so it kind of helps with all that. So I'm not just some random people have my number.
3: <laughs> but it also is a way to remember that first call-up in a way yeah. that, look, five, ten years ago may never have
7: happened, too. Dude, that's very true. I mean, we're looking back on now you and where I was four, five, four years ago when I started out, thinking of how can I get to where I'm at now, it's, it's crazy to think that where I started and now where I'm at, it's big accomplishment. I
3: would say even more so within the last year. I mean, yeah. you were injured at the end of last year. You didn't even get to go to Major League camp, and you're a non-roster guy and you get called up to the big leagues. Were you even thinking about that when Minor League Spring Training began
7: this year? Um, no, not really. I knew going into the end of last year, I was, I was, hurt, I was hurt there a little bit, and then I knew I had to go in the offseason and get stronger so I don't run into a problem again and try to give myself another best opportunity I possibly can, especially going with the new role as, as a bullpen guy.
3: And as a bullpen guy, what's the transition been like? Obviously, you've gotten to the big leagues, but what's the adjustment been like you started prior to that?
7: Uh, adjustments, you make a little adjustment here and there, like with warm-up routines and stuff like that. What helped me out, I did a little bit. I started like my, out of the bullpen my first like two years of college, pretty much. So that helped me out a little bit, just getting back into a groove, just learning to relax and pay attention to the game a little bit instead of trying to stretch for three hours straight. I mean... Or whatever, because you might not pitch today. Or you do or just learn how to what your body needs to stay loose and get ready to go in the game when your time, when your name's called.
3: And in terms of what you're learning um, about a routine, because that's probably the hard part. You don't know when you're going to pitch. Some guys already know their roles. Yeah,
7: yeah I, that's that's the hard part. Coming from a starter, I had a pretty strict routine when I was doing. I'm still kind of learning a little bit of my routine here now, but being around some, some of these other guys, I can I can maybe talk to them a little bit when we're sitting here doing a game kind of figure out what they do and figure out what will work best for me in the future.
3: All right, that's Dylan Floro and his first week in the majors. Now, who knows what player from the Rays' 2016 draft class will get there. One signing deadline was 5 p.m. on Friday, and joining me now is Director of Amateur Scouting, Rob Metzler. Rob, let's try and put a bow on the 2016 class now that you've ended up signing your top 11 picks
0: we were we were really happy with the results you know we were we were happy with the results on draft day and and over the past you know i guess it's 5 weeks since since the draft started on june 9th we were we were able to get the majority of the guys you know in, in into a raise, you know get them signed to their contracts and into into raise uniforms so it was overall we we saw a net positive we uh you know the three position players we got at the top of the draft we were very very excited to get uh and, you know and then Followed it up with a bulk of, of, of really good-looking starting pitching prospects below that that we're uh, we're really excited and they they're off off the ground and running in, in Gulf Coast League a lot of them and, and we're we're excited about how they're doing.
3: In fact, I know one of them on Saturday, Austin Franklin threw five hitless innings in the Gulf Coast League. So that has to be, you know, as far away as they are, it has to be somewhat encouraging. What do you do now in terms of uh, the kids that have been signed? Do you do you watch them much? Do you spend more time on 2017? How do you kind of assess? Uh, how well you did, but also try and look forward.
0: Well, we don't do too much in terms of you know we do some you know short term self evaluation to ensure that you know what the the tools, the physical abilities that that we you know our, our scouts and our scouting staff said that you know the players were coming in with and the prospects were coming in with. We, we need to do some short term self evaluation to make sure that those those tools match what what we said they were, and we do some you know. We we like to get I like to get out to our affiliates just to make sure that you know the guys hit the ground running and that you know there's you know the bridge between the scouting department and player development you know is as smooth and and you know it flows as naturally as possible. But in terms of you know the the full evaluation of our draft class, very little of that happens this this quickly. You know the you know whether it's college players who are coming off a long college season, or you know or high school players who are you know coming through one of you know the a high-stress checkpoint in their in their career, you know, as they go through the draft. You know, in terms of, you know, assessing what their professional career is going to be, it's pretty early to, you know, it's it's, it's quite early to, to find those results. So, really, it's just a short-term checkpoint to make sure that everything's going smoothly and, and make sure that, you know, if there is any feedback, we can give our status cap initially about their grading of the prospects and their projection of the prospects. We can we can give that feedback as we head towards 2017. You know, so it, it is a balancing act, and, and days are quite valuable this time of year because the, between you know, summer showcases, summer tournaments for the high school kids, between the Collegiate Team USA and the Cape Cod League and other summer collegiate leagues, days are quite valuable because uh, as we're making sure our 2016 class is signed and, and, and feeling comfortable in raising uniforms, we also have to start working on 2016 or 2017 as these are quite valuable days.
3: I know one thing your predecessor did in R.J. Harrison was he also made sure at some point to get to see kids at the upper levels from previous classes just to kind of be able to kind of look back and see close to the finished product or see the finished product more often. How often do you look at close to or the finished product just to kind of take a look back and and see what you were evaluating before and how it projects going forward? Because that's the hardest part is projecting.
0: Yes, it's quite challenging, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be. Based out of Saint Petersburg, so I, you know, I, I get to see our big league club a lot. I mean, not as much as people who are <laughs> who are not trying to also, you know, see a, a large portion of amateur baseball throughout the year. But I do get to see a good amount of our big league club, and and I will, you know, check in with with our Double A and Triple A club, you know, our, our highest levels as well. You know, I, I think I think it's really important from you know every stage of, of a player's development to be able to check in and to you know to try and gather what you can from from how those those guys are doing to help support them, but also to self-evaluate at the department.
3: Can you uh, give a feel as to the—let's touch on the last kid you signed, Kevin Santiago. He was, uh, what, a junior college kid. Sometimes those kids are going to go back into the pool and hope for a better situation. He elected to sign. What can you tell us about him since he was the last guy you signed?
0: excited to sign Kevin. He's a very, very young J1, so he's a very young junior college shortstop, switch hitter, with with, with very good actions and, and shortstop tools. So he was, uh, you know, originally from Puerto Rico. We we had interest in him out of out of high school in Puerto Rico, and and he last year he he elected to to you know not not sign, and then he uh, he chose to go to Miami Dade, and we were able to you know our scout Victor Rodriguez in Miami did a great job getting to know Kevin and, and sticking with him throughout the summer and. You know, this past week we were really excited to bring him into the fold.
3: As mentioned, you signed your top eleven, and I think fifteen of your top sixteen. Are there any of the group that you wish you had been able to get on board, or anyone you'd want to touch on there?
0: I don't. I don't know if there's anybody specifically I'd want to touch on. We did. You know, in any draft, there are uh, there highly. You know, and we are very the overall net result we were excited about. You know, if you know, would we have loved to add a few more guys of our day three picks for sure? You know, it just wasn't meant to be
3: and from the perspective of free agent signings i mean i know that's not uh, a big part of uh, a draft class but look steve geltz was a guy who was a non-drafted free agent who the rays eventually acquired via trade elliot johnson was a guy who was a free agent who spent some time in the big leagues are you spending you know when you're evaluating guys for 2017 in these summer showcases do you see any kids let's say in the cape or college kids that you may end up signing near the end of the summer how likely is that
0: sure uh how how likely is you know, we continue working on the draft class until until uh until the kids go back to school. So we, we will, you know, if whether we see somebody on, you know, a collegiate player out over the course of summer who was passed over and eligible to be signed or you know, you know, or a high school player for some reason who who's eligible to to be signed, we we will pursue it. You know, if if we think they have the tools to to help the organization and the tools to project a big league value, we we will we will pursue it. So it's uh, you know that that process doesn't really ever stop until the kid steps foot on on campus. So uh, and and we we have the really fortunate opportunity to have three short season clubs between the Gulf Coast League, Princeton, and Hudson Valley, and that provides opportunity for innings pitch for starting pitchers, for relievers, and for at bats for for position players. And it's, it's we we intend to take advantage of the opportunity by you know. I mean, and then we we're required to got back to the draft to, to, to fill those opportunities and, and our staff is aggressive and, and trying to find the best of those options out there to, to fill those
3: Well Rob, good luck on the evaluation process for 2017 and beyond We certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in Race Baseball.
0: Thanks, Neil, Thanks, Neil.
3: That is Rob Metzler, Director of Amateur Scouting for the Rays, and we certainly thank him for joining us on this week in Rays Baseball, as well as all of our other guests. Reliever Alex Colomay went to his first All-Star game, outfielder Corey Dickerson, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun, Rays team president Brian Ald; Austin Pruitt, now in Durham, and now Rays reliever Dylan Floro, and special thanks to producer John Milo. Next week, get to know more about Blake Snell, and if you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solans. Coming up, it's the Rays pregame show. The Rays and Orioles, you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.